Welcome to Adventures of a Blonde Geisha. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adventures of a Blonde Geisha. My name is Lisa Wilkerson, and I am the host of this podcast. Well, it has been quite a year so far. I don't know about you guys, but I have had quite the little busy bee uh, year of the rabbit, which by the way, as I am recording this now, it's officially the lunar Chinese lunar year, Chinese New Year. Um, so a happy new year to everyone. You're the rabbit. I love rabbits. So, you know, makes me happy. <laughs> um, but Anyway, it's been very interesting. I was in Japan, obviously, and I know I haven't talked really that much about that trip, so I thought I'd talk a little bit about that. As you can tell from the title of this episode, Lost in Interpreting, um, I thought I'd talk a little bit about some of the things, challenges and victories that come with a lot of the interpreting work that I do as a general interpreter. So I want to, and also misconceptions as well. Um, before I do that, let's talk about some of the things I've been doing so far this year. I went to a con, an anime convention in Phoenix, of course, and that's where I had my interview with Daryl Gilbo, the last episode. And then from there, I went on to Kansas City, Missouri, where I was actually there to interview a guy, um, just random kind of guy, who has footage of a UFO. So this was taken from his security cameras that he has outside. And just very co coincidentally, he has this footage. And I have to say, man, it is really believable. Um, it was very interesting. Uh, so we had, to, you know, we interviewed him for Japanese TV. So I did that. Then I came back to LA and I've been kind of trying to recuperate because I've been traveling so much and I do have another big trip coming up in two days. I'm heading to Oman and I'm going there for a Comic-Con style event. I have been to Oman before. Um, I think it was 2018. Uh, so five years ago. And it is a gorgeous country, amazing food, gorgeous country, um, just really friendly people. So I'm looking forward to going back this time. Um, I'm going back for the same event, but this time it's bigger and better. And I have actually um, booked some guests to come with me. So it's a three-weekend event, and coming up this weekend and next weekend, I have some really cool people who are going to be at that event. Anyway, so let's talk a little bit about my favorite city, Tokyo. Well, first of all, obviously, um, unless you've been hibernating somewhere for years, you probably know that the yen dollar is in our favor by far. Um, it's about 131 yen to the dollar. And just to give you a little context, when I went in 2019, I think it was about 115 yen. Um, doesn't seem like much. So, you know, oh, okay, 15 more yen. What's the big deal? However, this, when you add that up, it does become a big deal, especially when you're exchanging money. Um, kind of crazy. So this time when I went to Tokyo, everything felt 
very reasonable and it was kind of shocking to me how low a lot of the prices were for stuff, especially food. Um, I kept saying to friends or business colleagues that I was with how cheap things were compared to the U.S., you know, because especially here in Cali right now, everything is so ridiculously expensive. Um, prices in general have gone up and then you have the tip and then you have tax and you have all that wonderfully good stuff. Um, so if you compare it, like a lunch in Tokyo would be maybe $8. And this is a full course meal. You can never find something like that here in in LA. Um, and so yeah, it was just kind of shocking and really wonderful uh, to be in that position because I feel like it's always been, oh my gosh, I have to watch my money because things are so expensive in Japan. And, you know, Japan does have this image for being very pricey and being one of the most expensive cities in the world. However, the prices for a lot of things have not gone up in the past 10, 15, 20 years. They've kind of stayed the same. Whereas here, I know in LA, um, They've gone up in the past year, two years. I mean, it's crazy how much they've gone up. So, yeah, it was really shocking to me. Um, time and time again, I just kept saying, I was like, man, things are so cheap here. Um, anyway, it was really wonderful. And I had a great time, got to see a lot of friends. Um, it was still, Japan is still very much uh very very worried about covid and so i mean everyone pretty much is always wearing a mask and so there was that part of it that i just thought man this is a little bit i don't know everyone just seemed a little bit kind of depressed and really anxious ready to move on and yeah there was there was definitely i definitely felt some uh anxiety, I think, you know, from a lot of the people, like I think I probably mentioned um, before in one of my episodes, I love talking to the cab drivers while I'm there because I use a lot of cabs when I'm in Tokyo. And one of the things that kept coming up was about how the economy was bad and how the only people that were using cabs right now are what they call gaijin, right? Foreigners um, or tourists. And so, you know, they are, I think, um, Japan in general and the Japanese people are really frustrated for sure. Um, and, you know, I mean, who hasn't been frustrated the past couple of years with all the stuff that's gone on? But, um, yeah, they're just ready to move on, but they feel like they still can't. And so um, pretty much wearing masks everywhere. And so, you know, I'm now used to being here in the States where I do carry a mask wherever I go, but, um, unless, you know, depending on the situation, I will use it, but I will, usually I don't use a mask very often. So, um, so it was quite, you know, a switch and I'm very grateful that, I don't have to wear a mask right now. Um, and, you know, one of the things I have to say about 
this whole thing with COVID, um, and I know it's a very tricky thing. You know, there are a lot of people that believe a lot of things and we're all very different, blah, blah, blah. But one thing that really does kind of worry me a little bit is I worry about people socially and being able to get along with each other and using in some ways, and I'm not in any way saying that this is what's going on in Japan because I know it's not, but, you know, one of the things that I think that we could be a problem, a long-term problem is the more and more that people stick to always, always using masks, it can be a, almost a crutch, right? And I think especially with kids who have never really had a chance to be social creatures, um, especially the younger kids. Um, and even, I mean, I've even seen people that I know, adults, who are now much more comfortable in a mask than they are outside of a mask. And you know, and I understand, well, I understand that sentiment at the same time, that does worry me because, yeah, I mean, I just, I'm a real social creature and I really want, and and I love communicating and I love communication. Um, and I worry about humans communicating with each other and just the future of that. But anyway, enough of that. Let's go ahead and move on. So let's, speaking of communication, that was kind of a good segue without me even thinking about it. Let's talk about interpreting. So obviously this is one of my jobs, my many jobs that I have, and I am what they call a general interpreter. I don't necessarily have a specific industry or genre of interpreting that I specialize in. I mean, Kind of, I guess I do in a way where it's mostly media and entertainment music. However, they, yeah, I'm still considered a general interpreter because I also work with uh, people like Lockheed Martin or SpaceX or Google or, you know, Adobe. So I, uh, Intel, like I've worked with all these or Levi's. So I've worked with a various um, various industries and I absolutely enjoy it, but it's also kind of terrifying. Um, and this really happens, I want to say almost every job that I do. Uh, the reason I thought to bring this up and to talk about this is because I actually just had a job about a week ago where I was asked to, uh, interpret for a site tour for a, big um, concert venue. And, you know, it's a client that I've worked with before, um, about a year ago. Um, and, you know, it went well, but it was pretty tough because, you know, that's not my industry, really. Um, but more than that, you know, I had no material to study. And what happened was these two clients that I was in the middle, you know, I was kind of the go-between or I was the liaison between these two, one American company and another group of Japanese businessmen representing three different Japanese companies. Um, they have entered into a partnership together, which is fabulous. I love these kinds of jobs, right? However, there's been all this communication about this project that they're working on um, obviously they've been communicating with each other for what a year, right? 
Um, I don't have any of that background at all. I don't know anything about the project. I don't know anything about the people involved. I don't know the names of the people. Um, and so, you know, we did the site tour and then, and I was just told, and this is another thing. I was like, okay, is there anything I can study? And then, and then the agent came back and said, no, I don't think there is. It's just going to be a site tour. I know better than that. I've been doing this long enough to know that there is always something more to the story. And sure enough, I get there, we do the site tour. Even that, I didn't know half of the stuff that they were talking about, but, you know, I figured it out. And then they're like, oh, now we have a meeting for an hour and a half where we're going to be talking about some of the problems that we see arising and also uh, some of the matters that we've been, you know, communicating about. I'm like, okay, that's wonderful, but I don't have any of the backstory. So I had to plunge in to this meeting, not knowing names of people, not knowing, I mean, not knowing anything. And this happens all the time. It's so crazy to me because, and it's always the same thing. It's like, you know how I talked about how, I would do my voice work and the script would be would be terrible Google English, you know, and I would say the direct to the director, this I think this should be changed. And without fail, they would always say, ah, demo native check So which means we did a native check. So very similar to this is I would talk to an agency or someone that has referred me to this interpreting job and you know, whoever my contact person is, I would say, is there any material that I can study? And they would say, oh, no, I think it's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. Well, I get there to the job, whatever it is. It's never straightforward. Never, never, never. Um, and this is where if you do interpreting work, if this is something that you are thinking about doing in the future, you need to be very, very comfortable in the, what I call white space, where you know absolutely nothing, but you still have to figure it out. Um, you has, you also have to be very humble because you're constantly going to be making a fool out of yourself. Um, and I did even last week, like there were a few times where I was like, I don't know that word. Like, I don't know, cause I don't know this industry. And so I, one of the guy, one of the men, he was actually the guy in charge of the Japanese businessman, but you know, he actually spoke really good English. So he gave me the Japanese word for, you know, what was being said in English a couple of times because I couldn't, I didn't know everything. Right. And it's funny because people just assume they're like, oh, you speak Japanese. Therefore, you know how to do anything when it comes to interpreting or translating. And that drives me crazy because first of all, and I know I've talked about this in a previous episode, translations and interpreting, extremely different things, very different skill sets. I do translation sometimes, but not very often because my skill set is for interpreting and live interpreting. Um, but even, you know, working with 
events, a lot of the events that I work with where they're like, oh, yeah, well, I don't know that we need professional interpreters because some of our staff, you know, they speak Japanese. So I think that we can probably use them as panel interpreters. I've heard this from a couple people who I now work with, let me just say. Um, but I first approached them and they said, do you need any professional interpreters? They're like, no, I think we're good. We're just going to use, you know, we have some people on staff who speak Japanese. I'm like, okay, well, that's not the same thing, but you know, I can't keep telling you until you experience it. And sure enough, um, they used their staff to interpret and it was a complete disaster, nightmare. And in fact, some of the guests that were there complained about it and talked about how unprofessional it was. So what do you know? A couple weeks later. So Liesl, you were right. Yes. I think we do need professional interpreters. I'm like, I could have told you that. Well, I did tell you that, but okay. Yep. I know. Okay. Let's figure it out. Um, and this happens time and time again. You know, it's really amazing to me how people how much people don't understand about translation, but then also, and especially, and maybe this is especially because I'm in this field, so I experience it a lot, but in interpreting, um, they just really, really don't understand how complex it is. Um, I do sometimes hold these workshops for people, you know, who are interested in being interpreters. And one of the things I tell them is you will never know everything. You will never be fully comfortable with all the material that's being said in a meeting. Never. I have never, never, yeah, been comfortable to the point where I'm like, okay, I know absolutely everything that's going on in this meeting. And this is, even if you've been briefed, even if you've been given the material, there's always going to be someone in the group somewhere that brings up, uh, you know, uh, just off the wall question or comment or concept, idea, that wasn't brought up. And so you need to figure out how to interpret that the best you can, right? So this is constant. Um, Another thing that I find really interesting and odd is when people find out that I'm an interpreter for Japanese English, then they'll say, oh, how many languages do you speak? I hate that. (laughs) I'm like, "Uh, excuse me, isn't Japanese and English enough? Like what? I get this all the time, all the time. Um, and you know, usually when someone asks me that, I just say, well, I, you know, I mean too, but I'm still studying both of them. Like I, you know, so yeah, no. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just drives me crazy, but There's this thing, you know, where people just assume, oh, if you can speak conversational Japanese, that you can walk into a room, you can interpret for a crowd or a meeting or a panel or an event. And it's just not true. And it drives me crazy. And yeah, so this is why I started this 
episode. Um, and I don't want it to be all about venting, you know, but um, I really want this to be more about people understanding that there's a lot more to interpreting and there's a lot more to translation, but translation, at least with translation, usually you are given, you do it at your own pace. Of course, you usually have a deadline when you're doing a translation, but you get to do it at home and you don't have to do it in front of people. Live interpreting, it's always in front of people and there's the unknown where you have no idea what's going to be coming up in the meeting or in the event or whatever, what, you know, what people are going to be saying or what the other clients could be saying. So there's a lot of unknowns that come with that. And I just think it's really important to, one, if you are an interpreter or if you're interested in interpreting, it's really important to give yourself grace and to give yourself um, just not be, you know, give you, give yourself that allowance to grow. And if you make a mistake, so what you make a mistake, just try to remedy it. Um, because this is one of the things that I tell, you know, budding interpreters or even people who are just interested in language and want to learn how to speak better. I tell them that, it's really all about understanding you're not perfect. You won't be perfect. You'll make mistakes, but it's okay. And you won't know anything, but it's okay. Just ask questions until you understand what's being said and then figure out a way to communicate it. Really interpreting and translation, but especially interpreting is about communicating and it's about making, facilitating that relationship between two companies or two people or a really famous celebrity and their fans or whatever it is, whatever circumstance, it's really all about getting that communication going and getting that relationship established, right? So, you know, to those of you that are like, oh yeah, interpreting, no big deal. Eh, not. <laughs> um, it is a big deal. And, you know, I love what I do and it's always very exciting um, I've been in some really amazing meetings and I've gotten to work with some really amazing clients as well. And so I'm so happy that I, you know, have been doing this, but also it is very humbling and it reminds me time and time again, um, how much I don't know, but I love that because I am constantly a student. I love still studying Japanese. Um, and you know, it's a far cry for those of you that remember one of my first episodes where I talked about how being bilingual was really hard for me because I revert to that fourth year old or not fourth grade Liesel where, you know, I was picked on in Japanese class all the time. So this is constantly a reminder that I am so much better than that. And I have come so far and so for that, I'm very, very lucky. Anyway, that was kind of me rambling and uh, talking about interpreting and such. But I'm super excited to be going to Oman. I'm hoping to have an interview with someone there that I can bring for my next episode. So hopefully that'll happen. But meanwhile, I do want to wish each and every one of you a happy Chinese New Year 
um, happy year, the rabbit and peace and love to all of you have a fabulous week and live for lots of love, lots of peace. Let's respect one another and love one another. And I will see you again soon. This is Lisa Wilkerson signing off with Adventures of a Blonde Geisha. Till we meet again. Ta-ta. Cooling, 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 cooling.